Our Father, we thank you for graciously giving us this picture of the end of all things, that we might know where you are bringing this universe and where we fit in those amazing plans and purposes that you are achieving in the Lord Jesus to bring us as part of his bride, his church, into the joy of your eternal kingdom. So be with us now as we think about this together, that we might be um, encouraged, that we might be motivated to live transformed lives, lives of holiness, knowing that Jesus has come and bought us by his blood to belong to him forever. And we pray this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, a hymn we sing far too infrequently goes like this. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. With his own blood he bought her and for her life he died. This, friends, is the amazing reality of who we are as a church, that we are part of the bride of Christ, sought out by his grace, bought by his love, his blood, to be delighted in and rejoiced over forever. That, friends, is the wonderful love story of the church that unfolds throughout the pages of the Bible. It's the love story of the church that unfolds with the kind of heartwarming affection, the heartbreaking betrayal and the heart-stopping sacrifice that Hollywood can only dream of. And to think that you and I get included in this grand plan of God, this grand and beautiful love story about our Saviour Jesus Christ that we are the objects of his love. The fact that we are part of this love story swept up in God's purposes to be brought into the the inexpressible joy of his eternal kingdom forever, that should make us rejoice in our Saviour all the more and cause us to pursue the kind of holy lives that Jesus desires for his bride. This is the call that Jesus has on his bride, the church, that we ought to be preoccupied with our bridegroom, that we might be filled with excitement and anticipation leading up to our great wedding day at the wedding banquet of the Lamb in heaven. And that's the moment that we're in, the moment of anticipation, the moment of preparation as we look forward to the wedding feast of heaven and we're to make ourselves ready to be prepared for that day with great joy and excitement. Revelation 19 verse 6, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns, let us rejoice and be glad and give him the glory for the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. With what? With what is God's bride, his church, beautified for that wedding feast? Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. 
We're to beautify ourselves, make ourselves ready by living out the righteousness that Jesus gives us. By putting on the robes, the, the, the wedding garments of a holy life in preparation for that day. And as we think about Revelation 19 at the very end of the Bible, we have travelled some distance through the pages of Scripture to, to arrive there at this grand conclusion. This grand conclusion to the Bible's love story has been building for thousands and thousands of years. Back in Isaiah chapter 54 we read that our, about our relationship to our Creator God where Isaiah says, Your Maker is your husband. Your Creator God is your husband. That God made the universe out of the overflow of his love, out of the infinite and intimate fellowship of his own nature. And that same Creator God made marriage, that fellowship, that intimate relationship of love that exists between a man and a woman in marriage, he gave it to us in order that we might reflect back to him a picture of his unending love for his people. That we might keep reflecting to this world that our maker is our husband. As we join in that beautiful love story of God's unending love for his people. With all the heartwarming affection of our creator God but as well as the heartbreaking betrayal of his people turning away from him. <clears throat> the Bible talks about our sin as spiritual adultery. That given our spiritual adultery, that we have turned our backs and been unfaithful to God, that he could have turned and walked away. He could have gone and started over. But the Bible reminds us of the character of our maker who is our husband. That when we are faithless, he remains faithful. And the resolve and the desire of our maker who is our husband is to delight in his people. His desire and his resolve is to clothe his bride in righteousness, to beautify his people, to rejoice over forever and ever. Again, the prophet Isaiah looking forward to God's new creation, to that heavenly wedding banquet, speaking about God beautifying his people, preparing us for our wedding day looking forward to what Jesus would achieve in laying down his life for his bride. This is what the prophet Isaiah looks forward to in Isaiah 61. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, for as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. For Zion's sake, 
I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain quiet till her vindication shines out like the dawn, her salvation like a blazing torch. The nations will see your vindication and all kings your glory. You will be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will bestow. You will be a crown of splendour in the Lord's hand, a a royal diadem in the hand of your God. No longer will they call you deserted or name your land desolate, but you will be called, my delight is in her, and your land married, for the Lord will take delight in you, and your land will be married. As a young man marries a young woman, so will your builder marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. What a beautiful picture of what our maker, who is our husband, is doing for his bride, his church, in beautifying his people in righteousness in order to delight over us forever. It's a beautiful picture and did you notice that all of the activity belongs to God and all of the initiative belongs to God. It is he who clothes us in garments of salvation. It is he who arrays us in a robe of his righteousness. It is his mouth that gives us a new name. My delight is in her. It is he who rejoices over you. It's a wonderful gift of grace, isn't it, that God doesn't leave us in our spiritual adultery. He doesn't leave us in our sin and he doesn't leave us to our own devices. Without him we are far gone, we are mired, we are muddied in our own sin and the consequences of our unfaithfulness the spiritual adultery of turning away from God and attaching our heart and giving our affection to things and to people who aren't our maker, who is our husband. Left to our own devices, we have no hope of sharing in the splendour of the heavenly wedding feast. Yet from heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. Jesus identifies himself as that bridegroom, our maker who is our husband, who comes from heaven to seek out his bride with his saving love, with his amazing grace, to seek and to save and to set apart his people to be his bride over whom he will rejoice and delight forever and ever. So in John chapter 3, John the Baptist identifies Jesus as the bridegroom. He says, the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. He must become greater, I must become less. Here's a lesson in weddings at All Saints. There's a wonderful aisle for a bride who has made herself ready to walk down to her husband-to-be. 
and the way we do it after turning off our phones at the beginning of the wedding. The way we do it here at All Saints is to make sure that as the bride walks down the aisle, she has eyes for only one man. I try to hide behind the groom. Right? I have the men who are attending to the groom, they're to stand down the steps out of the way as the groom stands up here with me so that she has eyes for only him and me as she walks down the aisle to her husband-to-be. John the Baptist is attending to the bridegroom, the Lord Jesus. When Jesus steps on the scene, John says, look at him, have eyes for him, cast all your affection on him, the bridegroom who is your maker and your saviour. One of the things that we do in marriage preparation to continue your lesson in weddings at All Saints as engaged couples meet with me in the lead up to their wedding, one of the tools I use is the five love languages. It's a very imperfect tool, like all of the tools, but I think it's helpful sometimes for couples to think about the person they are marrying and how that person feels loved, how they receive love. It helps to understand your future spouse in a way that they will feel loved by you. So husbands, if your wife's love language is quality time, don't buy her flowers. Come home early and don't be distracted. If your wife's love language is acts of service, don't buy her flowers. Come home early and do some of the jobs that she was planning to do later. If your wife's love language is his gifts, buy her flowers, forget the house. If your husband's love language is his words of affirmation, don't buy him flowers. Send him a text during the day to say that you love him. What is Jesus' love language? How would Jesus want his bride to express her single-minded devotion and love for him? I think Jesus' love language is holiness. That he sees our affection. That we reflect back to him his seeking, his saving, his setting apart kind of love by living lives of holiness, by putting on and beautifying ourselves with the robes of righteousness that he has given us, by the garments of holiness and salvation that he has gifted to us. That we might reflect back in lives of holiness his infinite love and care for his bride. That he might present us to himself on the last day, pure and blameless, without spot or wrinkle, as his beautified, holy people, over whom he will delight and rejoice for all eternity. Is that how you see your life 
as part of Jesus' bride? Clothing yourself in righteousness, the righteousness that he has given. Living transformed lives of holiness. Fleeing from the sin that creates distance. Fleeing from, fleeing from the sin that stains. Fleeing from the sin that is faithlessness. Detaching your affections from the things of this world and loving Jesus with a single-minded devotion that seeks holiness of life in response to his love. When we get to Ephesians 5 and Paul talks about husbands and wives, it's amazing that he spends most of his time in that central chapter of the Bible, uh, that key chapter about uh, marriage, he spends most of his time talking about Jesus and what Jesus did and how Jesus is the perfect husband who we need to look to and submit to and respond to. Paul says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless is Jesus' plan for his bride. Now, this is in the Sermon on Marriage, and we're going to leave that to one side if that's okay. But have a look at Jesus, the ultimate husband, from whom, husbands, you should take your lead. Have a look again and notice that it's his initiative, it's his action in this chapter. See, he's seeking his sacrificial love for his church, his bride, that Jesus loved her, gave himself for her, to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by his word, to present her radiant to himself. And our response as his bride is to submit to his headship, to trust in his love that we might be washed, that we might be blameless, that we might be holy on the last day. Lots of activity in our church, isn't there? There's always announcements of what's happening during the week and the different groups that you can be a part of and the events that you can come to and the seminars you can attend. We want our growth groups full. We want our prayer meeting to be well attended. We want the seminars to be helpful. We want there to be like a chaotic spider web of one-to-one Bible reading relationships around Petersham and the inner west. Why? 
so that we can be the most knowledgeable church in Petersham? So that we can be the busiest church in Sydney? Is it because I've got some Machiavellian desire to control your diary? No. I don't, by the way. We want to keep gathering together in large and small groups. We want to keep opening God's word together and holding each other accountable and caring for one another and encouraging each other daily in order that we might be holy. In order that together we might flee from sin and take off our old nature and put on the robes of righteousness fine linen, bright and clean that Jesus gives us to wear, that we might prepare ourselves and make ourselves ready for our wedding day. It's helpful, I think, to understand that in the first century, engagement or betrothal was a bit different to the 21st century. And in the first century, if you were engaged to someone, you were legally married. But as the betrothal began, as you were legally married, you then prepared for the wedding day. You made yourself ready to enter into that marriage relationship. You beautified yourself for your spouse. That's the time we live in, friends. The time of making ourselves ready. We are legally married to Jesus because he came from heaven to seek us and to buy us with his blood that we might belong to him forever and we look forward, we prepare for, we anticipate now with great excitement the wedding banquet that is to come. And because we live in that season, we are to make ourselves ready fine linen, bright and clean, the righteous acts of God's holy people. It is always exciting to have weddings here at church, but it is so much more enjoyable and so much more exciting when it's one of, it's two of our people getting married. And at the end of this year, we've got two of our people getting married. David Tilly and Sarah Trigg are preparing for marriage. And I didn't know that Phil and Jane Trigg were going to be here this morning when I put this in my sermon. But welcome, it's lovely to have you here. And I know that Phil and Jane are excited for the wedding. And I know that Sarah and David are excited for the wedding. They're preparing, they're meeting with me tomorrow night. And a couple of weeks ago they got to go and taste their wedding banquet. And they came back and they said, it's beautiful. It's going to be amazing. I've never seen a couple prepare for their wedding without joy, without anticipation, without getting ready. And we want to be the kind of church that knows we are the bride of Christ that our maker is our husband and from heaven he came and sought us to be his holy bride 
And as we look forward to the wedding banquet, knowing that we are legally attached to Jesus now and we long for that day, we are going to make ourselves ready to be clothed in righteousness, to live holy and upright lives while we wait for him to return. That we might add our voices to that innumerable crowd at the wedding banquet. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him the glory because from heaven he came and sought us that we might belong to him forever. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you, our Maker, are our husband, that you have taken the initiative, that you have done everything to make us your holy bride. So help us to live out that identity as we put on those robes of righteousness and live holy and upright lives while we wait for that great day. May we as a church keep each other accountable, keep spurring one another on and we pray that we would do that all the more as we see that day approaching. Amen.